This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host, Anne Griffith. It has been another busy week of royal events, so I am joined once again by Daily Mirror royal editor Russell Myers. Russell, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, as you can see, well, v- the viewers or listeners won't be able to see, but you can see on the Zoom, I'm in house-moving hell. Wow. My, my house looked like uh, the Tasmanian devil has been through it. So apart from that, I'm, I'm all the better for seeing you. Well, thank you very much for fitting us in on house in the middle of the house moving. Um, but I have to say, first of all, so any listeners who were, um, you know, very thoroughly teased by the big announcement that was coming from Kensington Palace. So I came off the call and Ben said, she's not pregnant again, is she? <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, that didn't even cross my mind. It's, I never some, even thought that some people would think it was a baby because I just think oh, they're done. I just think th- they've got three. They're not going to have any more unless they have like a little accident or afterthought. And I think actually maybe, maybe we will go around again. But I, I just feel like they're kind of done complete as some people did be uh, were messaging me saying oh my gosh is she pregnant i thought oh my lord what have i done (laughs) i said the cat amongst the pigeons i mean and then i and then somebody quoted what i'd said on the podcast and i did i thought it was probably fair but i did say you know it's a big announcement coming i'll refer you to the social media pages well i suppose that's how things are done these days isn't it you haven't you haven't announced anything unless you put it on your social media. So, yeah, sorry if I uh, if I gave any mild heart palpitations over the announcement. However, it was a, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, it was a it was quite a successful launch. I think. So, I mean, some... go back to the beginning for people okay, who haven't, who haven't yet caught up with the fact that it's not a baby. So, what did what did they actually announce? Okay, they announced a a landmark project. I think is how it's best described and. Essentially, Kate has set up the Royal Foundation Centre for Early Childhood Development, for Early Childhood. And so what this will be, and I know there's a lot of jargon involved in this about bringing, you know, academics and stakeholders and charities all together. But what she wants to do is it's, it's basically the next stage of her work that we know she's been researching for the last decade, meeting Uh, these academics learning about what are the issues that children have um, that affects their early development and that may be growing up in poverty not having the right access to education um, access to you know to baby banks right at the beginning of your life if you if your parents or your guardians can't afford those basic provisions what effect does that have on your life growing up and these first four formative five years of a child's life have been proven to have the most effect on on their development and into adulthood and i think that kate has really grasped this and got to grips with it and to um she wants to make a difference and these changes that she made not only in the you know the five big questions the under fives that we had was that last year yeah it was i think it was november last year november last year so 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 five big questions under five which was the biggest survey of its kind 
um, that had, oh gosh, I think 250,000 um, responses to it, maybe more. But biggest, biggest survey, it was kind with it, a big, big uh, survey company. And they were asking questions of parents and guardians and academics and people who, teachers who have children, who look after children, to really get to the the base of the issue of what, what affects a child's formative years. And so she's taken that, learned lessons from it, and by setting up this Royal Foundation, um, you know, the meeting I was in, which I, I mean, I caught hold of this, maybe I should get a job in Royal Comms, because I don't think that they really grasped this essence of, you know, a headline. And when we were being taken through it by, um, by someone from the Royal Foundation, they were saying, you know, the Duchess really believes that this is as important, uh, it's a social equivalent of climate change. And I thought, my word, that's, that's massive. That if we can get this issue dealt with on a par to climate change, well, surely that will make everybody wake up to what is uh, to what is going on and what is needed needed for those um for those provisions for, for, for children so that is kate's goal obviously it's not going to happen overnight she does realize that this is a long-term project so i think you i think we can view it in the same vein as the princess trust awards you know landmark um project for the for the prince of wales has helped tens if not hundreds of thousands of youngsters into employment education and also William's Earthshot Prize project, which is, you know, a project over the next 10 years. So certainly I think that Kate's is going to be the next decade and longer. This will help generations and generations of children, hopefully. So this is better than a royal baby. It's not like one one small child who's going to be born into like the lovely many family and privilege is going to be helping many, many, many children, which is very exciting. And yeah, it, it's formalising, I guess, that commitment and that interest in putting some structure around it and and making it the equivalent of the the earth shot and the terra nova and the terra nova yes gosh what's it called terra nova terra firma too many different terracotta terracotta terra nova i think the pub in cardiff (laughs) i was wondering what you're talking about i think it's named after the um earth charter let's just say earth charter is the Terra Nova, I think, is the name of the ship that Robert Falcon Scott set sail on to go exploring. Anyway, so clearly, clearly back, <laughs> still been a long time since we went to the pub together, Russell. Um, <laughs> and so this this foundation for early years, one of the things I found interesting was um, Kate having sort of told one of the people she was talking to that her visits to prison and meet, or meeting people who had been in prison had been part of the inspiration behind it and sort of hearing the terrible starts that some people had had to their own lives and then they'd ended up in in prison you know having not had the best of life chances at the start and I guess sort of tracing that back and saying okay let's try and give more children the best start in life that we can. Yeah I mean I think you're right it's a it's laying down a commitment to to what she's been talking about over and I, I don't necessarily think it has been the last 10 years i think a lot of that has been under the radar she's obviously had a, had an interest in throughout her royal life and well not woken up to the fact but like identified that this is what she wants to make her life's work and 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 certainly i don't think it was a cause of i think she her passion has been emboldened by having children and um uh, you know, I think 
in that sense, being a mother has possibly shaped her ideals. I think I don't think that's uh, a jump to say that. I think that she would say that's not only being a parent, but identifying, you know, what what her privileged position can make a difference to, to other people. Um, and and it's and it's a it's a big it's an ambitious project because I think the the issue with some of these things sometimes is. People are asking, what are, what, you know, what are the going to be the tangible things? What are going to be the tangible differences that, um, that we can see straight away? Well, I don't think we can do that. I think we can just say, this is the centre. It's, it's not a place for people to go to. I mean, we're all working from home anyway these days, aren't we? But it's a, a sort of, I was going to say online space, but I hate that sort of phrase. But it, it's it's a collective. It's going to be a collection of people to come together and to try and work out um, on a evolving basis what are the big issues of the day. And so that will be looking at uh, provision for nursery, look at uh, baby, even baby baby banks, which we saw Kate do loads of stuff with last year. Um, and so... I think it will evolve. It will It will certainly evolve over time. And some big names involved. So the centre's Big Change Start Small inaugural report, so which was worked on with the Centre on the Developing Child at Harvard University and the London School of Economics. So working out what the, the cost of lost opportunities for children is, is £16.3 billion in England alone. So, you know, it's a really interesting way to bring a lot of different things together under one umbrella and I mean, I've accidentally done that there, but Kate did rock a couple of pretty awesome umbrellas when she was out in the rain to launch the thing. And, and I particularly like the uh, the rainbow one. And obviously, we we used to sing the Queen with the clear uh, the clear umbrella that almost comes down in front of her face, face face visor style, as we've got used to over the last <laughs> year. But Kate's Kate's gone for one of the ones that's more almost more like parasol shape, so you can still see her really well. But it looks it looks very glamorous in the rain, which was rather nice. And um, Russell, can you remember what colour you predicted for the Queen's hat last week? Oh, did I say green? I can't remember. I can't remember whether you said green or pink, but certainly you were. No, I said green. Oh, I said, said green. green, and you were right. Well, I mean, mint I've, or sage. I've I've heard mint. I've heard teal. No, it's um, mint. Mint. What's teal? I think it's bluer. What? Yeah, was it? It was sort of like a pastel. It was a pastely green. I didn't check actually whether the bookies had played out on green. I didn't even put a bet on. They'd have to. I mean, that was clearly green. Mint is a mm. colour of green. Okay. Well, I should have. Put, I should have listened to my own advice. I could have been a millionaire. Well, maybe. They'd <laughs> <laughs> had to have had quite a large stake to start off with. But, uh, you know, the, I think the Royals looked like they enjoyed their days out at, at Ascot. The Queen was obviously there on the Saturday only, which was was, was the driest day at least. But, um, you know, it, it's it's nice to just see people back at stuff, albeit not fully, you know. Well, they had 12,000 spectators per day. I mean, it was it was sort of one of these pilot events, wasn't it? And it went, uh, I mean, uh, it, it was a shame I didn't I didn't get to go, obviously, the last couple of years. I, I really, really enjoy Ascot. It's, it's probably one of my favourite, not not even just events, and my favourite time of, the, go of, next of year? the year. We should do, actually. We should Let's do a do. podcast. Imagine doing a podcast, podcast from, from there. Ascot. I'll arrange it. 
Yes, please. And then, right. Uh, and, and then we can just in, do a pod. Uh, maybe we should do a pod throughout the day of being in the champagne tent <laughs> and, uh, and then see, see, see how producer Dan can cut in. What and, uh... could possibly go wrong? Well, I mean, Dan will be in the champagne tent as well. And, and, and Dan Jackson listening in the gallery and sorting us all out and keeping us in order. Please add that to Russell's to do list. Arrange day out to Royal Ascot. Definitely. Definitely. But they um, looked like they were having a lot of fun. The Queen looked like she was having a lot of fun. She was talking to uh, some of the trainers down there. I thought it was rather sweet, actually. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure it was on the social medias about um, when, so obviously the Queen normally comes in with the carriage and the rest of the royal family through in uh, through, through the parade circle, but that didn't happen this year. She was driven in, uh, in the Bentley limousine. And then when she got out, there was a big cheer, which Aww. I thought was rather lovely because we, have, we just don't get to see the Queen very much these times and, and maybe you would hope that you know emboldened her spirit somewhat so um you know it was lovely to see her majesty lots of people got to see uh, a good week's racing it was a bit soggy to begin with um yeah, but it was, heavy. It, was it was it was pretty heavy however uh, on the saturday it uh, the weather behaved itself and I know when we were speaking a couple of weeks ago and we'd seen the pictures of the queen at home in Windsor Castle and un- unveiling the rose in memory of Prince Philip, um, I was like, she looks quite sort of frail and elderly in those pictures. Comments which got picked up in New Zealand. Oh, thank you to the I saw like that. that. You, gosh, you've got to be careful. I there. know. Well, we get quoted all over the show. We do. So, we're, we're, right, we're, so we're, thank we're... you, everybody, much who listens to us. And if you've come to us by reading any of the places which have uh, have been have been quoting us, then welcome and nice to have you with us. But um, but I have thought that maybe that's the difference between her being at, sort of at home and off duty and pottering around in Windsor Castle. And then when she was out at the G7 and then at Ascot, when she's kind of, you know, up straight, game face on and, and out on, on show. So it, it was lovely to see. And it, again, I mean, it would be nice if people just spontaneously cheered and applauded every time you got out of the car. That'd be quite fun. <laughs> it would be more than fun. I mean, it might it might get a bit old. Maybe you just 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 going down to Sainsbury's. Well, to when do we do eventually Yay! see each other, when we do eventually see each other in the office, let's agree to just give each other a, a, a whoop and a cheer. A spontaneous <laughs> round of applause. Um, so uh, there was more celebration over the weekend. It was both. So it's Prince William's birthday, turning the ripe old age of thirty nine. I mean, I've I've been there and done that. I've entered the last year of my. Me and Will's, me and Will's on the uh, the final hurdle to the big four zero. Are you? What's yeah. it like? How, how did you have a party? Was I was it under in lo- lockdown. lockdown. Yeah, there were three iterations of what the plan was. I ended up having a really, really, really lovely time. Um, thanks to my amazing husband doing, you know, just who is now a podcast star, podcast star, our own Prince of Wales from last week. And <laughs> um, but he, yeah, so he. he prepared lots of lovely surprises but um all of the, all of the wine that was brought in for what had been intended to be the um a dinner party with family he's gonna he's gonna chef me some very tasty food and then um that is that is still in the cupboard away well double double trouble double me. bubble next year next or this your, year rather when's your january on january oh so like kate, all, you and kate. All they've all uh, yeah but i've also said to Mrs. Myers, that um, I don't really like having my birthday in January, so I'm I'm gonna I'm almost gonna change it like the Queen. I, well, I'm gonna have him. an official birthday in the summer. 
Excellent. Because I'm sick of having my birthday and it's wintry and rainy. And just after Christmas and everyone's like, yeah, no one bothers. January. Although it's towards the end of the month, so people are sort of waning on their <laughs> resolution. So you, <laughs> you do, just... you do, they're, they're desperate to come out by that point. But, um, but yeah, it's normally wet and rainy. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it to maybe July. Well, maybe it might be half in July. Our friend and colleague Jane Lavender, she's been celebrating June Mass just recently because she can't. I saw Christmas, that. So she's got to yeah. celebrate Christmas in June. So fair play to her. Fair enough. Merry June Mass to anybody else who is who is doing that. Um so you know, William William's got a, a year, or William and Kate have got a year to complete. Some people do like bucket listy things of things they want to do before they're 40. Um, oh my word. I'm running out of time. <laughs> why running out of time? Well, it, and also you you options are somewhat more limited at the moment than they normally they are it's not yeah. like you can go to you know i want to go to every country in europe by the time i'm 40 or something and i've got a load more to fit in not really an option right now just so, try and see my mates to be honest that would probably be good with it well exactly our priorities have sort of changed and just go on, go on a royal tour shall we have that i'll have that before i'm 40 i want to go on a royal tour i want another royal tour well that is a good yeah. good ambition to have yeah. and then it was father's day as well and there was some there's some lovely posts and also obviously some very poignant ones because it was Prince Charles's first Father's Day since the death of his father, Prince Philip. And, you know, I think we've seen this sort of increasingly, I guess, on social media. And initially when social media started, it was like, isn't everything lovely? And everybody celebrating all of these special dates. And then actually that recognition that for a lot of people, it is not a day of sort of pure happiness and joy and it is um sadness we saw it we saw it in the mother's day post in fact from the the cambridges and the sort of um and i guess particularly this year when so many people have lost loved ones over the last year that 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 is particularly there so uh, prince charles's message was quite sort of um well the message on, on, all the, on the house page yes yeah it's quite poignant and lovely pictures both of um camilla and her dad and and Charles with with Philip and a, a retro one of Charles as a baby sitting on a statue on the royal family's Instagram page with with the Queen's own own dad sort of looking um, looking looking at, uh, inspecting his grandchild and what he was up to and Prince Philip looking rather um, rather delighted with things and then a very cute um, collection of pictures on the Cambridges page with um, Prince William resplendent in his uh, in his sort of trooping or it was his military uniform in Trooping oh, in 2019. It was a little video they put together, wasn't it? I thought, yeah, it was nice. It was a nice, it was a nice touch. A bit different. And then, um, yeah, some pictures of some family photos. It was, it, was, it was very smart. And then, obviously, Father's Day, or Prince Harry's first Father's Day as a father, was what put, got Meghan to put pen to paper to write the poem that became The Bench, now published which she has been speaking about. Um, I think, I mean, I've, I've said from the beginning, I don't think it's my cup of tea. I'm not a sentimental person. And she's quite gushy, both in the writing. And well, the description... The way she spoke she... about it afterwards, I was just, I started, yeah. I started reading what she had to say and I was just like, I'll come back to this later. But I haven't done. So what, what has she been saying about well, it? Well, she before? spoke on um, US radio by talking about you know, it's a love story. I mean, the sentiment behind it is very nice. It's a love story and it's looked at the relationship between a young boy and his father and what that means and having having a place to sort of connect with them, I suppose, especially because of, you know, the, the character in the book and, and the Harry have both served in the armed forces and I imagine that sort of symbolism of having 
having a father or parent who has uh, who serves away, um, who who, you know, who goes uh, away, whether that's for to be in the armed forces or for work, um, and then they come back and and you have this period of of connection. I mean, I don't know how much. I know some of the reviews have been unkind. I, I think it's done better in on the Amazon US list than it has done on the UK list for sure. But um, I think it's it's a hundred and sixty nine word book. So what can you really say about it? I mean, I don't I don't know whether I've read too much into it. I like the sentiment behind it. I like the the, the place of having a having a space to connect with your child or your or your parent. But um, I'm not sure I'll be purchasing, purchasing it. I didn't get sent one, to be honest. So oh, I wonder. I've, I think you're off the Christmas card list, Russell. You're not going on the book. Uh, maybe, maybe. Who knows? I um, yeah. I've I've only seen what's sort of been written about it. I've I've seen a, a, a fair few PDFs knocking about of the I book. Did see but, it um, front, front and centre of the local bookshop when I was walking past. Yeah. After, after hours on my way to a restaurant, so I saw that. Well, there you go. There, there may be people in your local bookshop it. buying it, buying it. So, so yes. Well, fair play to fair play to them for doing it. And the, the illustr- I love illustrations in children's books. Like I think they're, they're my favourite things, and the, the the words are often secondary. But yeah, 169 words. What's that? That's like a four pass stick in the paper. I think. That's a tw- yeah, I was about to say a tweet, but that's characters, isn't it? I'm being facetious. Yeah. But um, like, listen, it's it's become a bestseller in the US. So there's obviously a market for it. Um, I saw actually that. Um, on Twitter yesterday, you know, some people arguing the case for the, the fact that Megan has always wanted to be an author and that she'd written a book that was published uh, about a girl with freckles. Let me, I'll try and tweet it rather than trying it on Twitter rather than rambling on. But yeah, listen, she's, she's obviously, no, I haven't. So yeah. listen, she's got one up on me or two because yeah. well, you went two parts. But the whole, but the whole concept of her wanting to be an author, I think, is quite laudable. Because listen, if if she ha- if that's what she wants to do, and that's how she wants to express herself, then um, then there's obviously a market for it, isn't it? And and uh, this book was about a girl with freckles and about how she loved her freckles, and it was and she'd done the illustrations for it, and she did it in like eighth grade, which makes you like eleven, twelve. Oh, so yeah. you know. She's got form for it, so yeah. so fair enough. Fair Good enough. to have an outlet. Um, speaking of books, Robert Lacey, who we interviewed on the podcast, was it at the beginning of the year, end of last year, who wrote the uh, the book about sort of Prince William and Harry's relationship. That book is now out in paperback, so there's been an update and sort of new rounds of discussion and revelation and sort of the fallout and how the how the households came to part and I guess that the, the new thing that has come out since the original edition in which Robert has gone back and explored some more is the the allegations of bullying that were made um first revealed in the times uh from Meghan and Harry's time at, at Kensington Palace and where we know this this ongoing investigation at at um, within the royal family. So King Thursday would uh, was asking on the Instagram. I would like to hear more about Russell's exclusive on the allegations re Meghan's bullying. Though I normally don't want to hear about the Californians. So what is what what else has come out, and what do we what do we know, and what are we expecting to happen, Russell? Well, it's been a pretty busy week. Um, I mean, this so Robert Lacey's book, uh, Band, uh, what did I say, Band of Brothers. Did you say that last week? Somebody no. said, that. sorry. It's that wasn't on. me. 
<laughs> Battle of Brothers, um, has been um, republished with a revised version. So he's obviously gone back to certain sources. He's revised some of the book. There's some new details within it as well. So I think two of the two of the main takes were that. Um, which are probably quite the, the most recent takes, are that William and Kate didn't want to speak to Harry uh, after Prince Philip's funeral. I know that there had been certain reports at the time saying that uh, Harry and Kate William and Dad had had this sort of two-hour summit. Um, I mean, my understanding was always that they had spoken, but there was there certainly wasn't you know that sort of length of time. Um, but lately, he's gone back to sources who have told him. Uh, that Kate and um, William didn't want to speak to Harry at length because they were um, very, they feared details of the conversation would be leaked to US media. And this was all obviously all, all on the back of the fact that Gail had done the Oprah Winfrey interview a couple of weeks before, but um, then Gail King came out and was talking about the not productive uh, conversations between Harry, his brother, and, uh, and their father, Charles, as well. So, it would be remiss not to point out the deep irony of William and Kate saying that they didn't want to speak to Harry in case it got leaked. And then them saying that ending up in a book. Well, who, who knows who Lacey's sources are. And certainly I think that the connection between, you know, the source on the Sussex's side, whether it's Oprah or whether it's Gail King, Gail, they were literally saying, well, I spoke to them yesterday and this is what they had to say. Well, you know, th- things are all always going to come out, aren't they? However, the very fact of the immediacy of what was being said over in the states was was um, no doubt cause for alarm. I know that it it upset certain people, um, and also Lacey. Like, like, there's shed loads in the book actually, but Lacey also was shedding light on why Meghan walked out of the engagement in Fiji. Do you remember as part of the Australasia tour in 2018 when? Uh, Megan, who was, was pregnant at the time, and she sort of just bolted from uh, the Fiji market. And apparently, he suggests that she was uh, she resented the fact that UN Women, who was hosting the event, had not made her a goodwill ambassador when she worked for them in 2015, but only an advocate. And the fact was that they'd made a lot of sort of A-list stars uh, goodwill ambassadors, and um, and not her. I mean, it seemed quite churlish if that is the case. There were a lot of issues I mean I was on that tour and I remember it very well that the issues at the time that there was a security scare she was pregnant she was very hot they all seem dare I say far more believable than the fact that she got a bit peeved that she walked in and there was UN advocates or UN women signs all over the place and she didn't want to be pictured with one of them I mean I just think maybe six to one and a half dozen the other with this one but he quotes a Los Angeles screenwriter who is close to associates of Meghan at the time of her first marriage. So it's getting a bit removed by saying Meghan does not cope well with what she was perceives as rejection. Well, that may be true. It may not be true. However, um, does it really relate to the the Fiji market? Um, I'm not so sure on that point. I think that uh, there was possibly... Possibly a bit more to it. It's never really come out. I know that there was, um, you know, at the time we all remember that she absolutely bolted from that place. Um, but it was a pretty heavy tour. It was, uh, it was very hot at the at the time, and uh, and it wasn't very well explained. So maybe a lesson in palace comms rather than uh, and letting letting it be up to people to make their own assumptions. And then the the split 
of the royal household. I well, think indeed. That's probably the most sort of, intre- I don't know, interesting. It's, it's kind of turned the narrative a little bit. Because originally it was, I don't know, we kind of thought that maybe Harry and Meghan wanted to go their own way and things, whereas this has turned it much more round at William not being impressed at Harry's response to the allegations of staff being unhappy at the way Meghan was treating them um, and basically them wanting to separate themselves from that. Well, indeed, I mean, Lacey says that the the issues were that William had um, found out about these allegations of bullying that were obviously still being investigated under, under a review by Buckingham Palace. There is a bit of discrepancy about whether it is an investigation or a review, Buckingham Palace actually looking into the reasons why certain allegations weren't raised or whether the processes weren't followed and whether there can be any lessons to, to be learned from that. Um, I mean, Lacey claims in his book that when William found out that these allegations that Meghan had uh, presided over a toxic workplace, that she had bullied certain members of staff um, while she was working as, as, a, as a working royal at Kingston's Palace, William was apparently so incensed by this that he uh, he challenged Harry over it. And that was the catalyst, Lacey says, in order to then move forward with the splitting up of the households. Now, once again, I do think that um, there was certainly um, a lot of push from the Sussexes' side that they did want to split the households. They saw themselves as having um, yeah, having a better chance of doing what they wanted to do if they had their own household. And certainly we know that Harry had appealed to the Queen of having his own office set up um, and having his own staff. And then that was sort of, uh, he, he, he's had, he had to rein back on those plans somewhat. Um, but it's quite interesting because, I mean, Lacey does point out some, some interesting parts that the, you know, the, the, this, this process of the, of the brothers' relationship being quite strained, um, sort of blew up to to uh, to the extent where there there was um, serious disagreement, and certainly there have been more reports over the over the weekend that these uh, these um, instances blew up into sort of furious rows between uh, Harry and William. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we we know a lot of this, but it's it's quite interesting about the detail um, about the listener who asked about the story that we wrote during the week. Well. It's my understanding, and this is uh, what we published in the Daily Mirror during the week, that that Meghan is is set to deny um, any of the the bullying allegations against her. I know that there has been certain um, issues raised that Meghan had, uh, you know, incredibly tough work ethic that she may have not seen eye to eye with members of the staff that who she was who were employed by the palace. Um, and and didn't necessarily think they were up to the job. Well, people close to sort of Meghan's camp have have revealed that she is to uh, to request you know a point by point rundown of what these allegations are in order to um, answer them correctly and uh, and to get her version of events. However, she would completely dispute any allegations that she bullied any of the staff. So I think um, from the people I've spoken to that they, they see the two camps see 
that if the if it is to come out in the wash, if she hasn't been formally interviewed by uh, Buckingham Palace or the independent um, legal team who are uh, carrying out this review stroke investigation, and um, and if she was to be uh, invited, then she would be um, launching quite a staunch defence of uh, of any of these allegations that she was um, responsible for for bullying any of the staff. So uh, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if and when she is given her opportunity to um, to put her case forward. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if accusations are being made against her, she absolutely should get to know what, what they are and have a chance to have a chance to respond to well the thing was it's it's a sovereign grant report today and that is you know the yearly um rundown of counts and how the money's been spent what money's coming in and going out so it would be quite an interesting year to to look over them because of covid um uh, but space time the, continuum recording this on Wednesday, the day Wednesday, that it's coming out. Okay. So this will be out after it's already come out. So check out our coverage so, on the website. Indeed, which there will be lots of. Um but the the the, the issue is I think there was never officially said, but we were expecting some sort of uh statement within the review. Uh, the review that is being carried out uh, about these bullying allegations and the processes that were or were not followed, uh, we were going to expect something within the sovereign grant, i.e. reference to it or a report or the findings or something uh, surrounding how they had put new processes in place, for instance. However, that is not going to happen because the review has not finished. So you are in a situation where this is carrying on, possibly into next year, and so, um, and so, certainly, as I said, my, my understanding was Megan has not been uh, uh, interviewed formally or otherwise, and so therefore hasn't had her opportunity to put her side of the case. Um, and we also we also know that there are, uh, you know, several members of former staff who have been, um, you know, who have made noises to say that they are willing to cooperate with any review stroke inquiry that is going on. So potentially, it's going to take them a lot longer than they had initially for for scene. so um so yes it might be uh might be a while to before we are finding out anything of note on that point better to do it properly and get it uh, yes yes yeah, get so. it done properly um and again prince andrew still has not had his interview which is remains ongoing so well again again I, again I, I can't believe we're speaking about this in the summer this was you know Gosh, it was a year in November. Yeah, exactly. Year in November. We're eighteen months on. Um, there is not. We haven't really heard too much. I know we had this sort of this this um, a catalogue of things being said by U.S. investigators, whether they were doing uh, statements on the stairs of Jeffrey Epstein's mansion in New York or press conferences in the uh, in the state as well, but. Um, certainly the, the investigations are ongoing and uh, one would assume that they are collecting a lot of evidence on Ghislaine Maxwell's case and suppose that is going to take some time before that gets to trial um, and then one would assume that uh, that Prince Andrew will will still be required to give his version of events. So again, we will continue to watch that space. Um, as for the rest of the royal family, events are happening they're going out and doing engagements there does seem to be a focus on things that they can do outdoors where possible because that's obviously the sort of the easiest way to 
engage and meet with other people in COVID times. There's some lovely pictures of um, Camilla out and about in some of the royal parks in the centre of London with the elephants on parade uh, for a for a um, sort of exhibition that's part of a foundation in memory of her brother. Um, Kate at the Natural History Museum out with the kids doing the kind of stuff she likes doing outdoorsing with um, you know what's it called you know children and outdoors and being active and having sort of learning and education and and that kind of thing are there any events that have been going on that have stood out for you Russell? Well I like to you just mentioned the Natural History Museum I, I loved that yesterday. Tell us a bit more. Well, it was called the Urban Nature Project, and apparently it aims to help people, young people, connect with the natural world and to find practical solutions to protect our planet's future. However, that's a bit of the blur, but what I liked was Kate turning up with a pot of honey and getting the kids to taste the honey that she brought herself from Anne Hall. So stop press breaking news. Kate is a beekeeper. And this is the most extraordinary thing. So we know that her Prince Charles keeps bees. We know that her brother keeps bees, but nobody knew that Kate was a beekeeper. And um, so she was showing all the kids all the uh, all the sort, of, and, and saying that she was uh, she always thanks the bees for their honey for what they produce, which I thought was rather sweet. So did she actually doing the beekeeping in the like? She's actually, you know, no, she's actually, in the get up and the smoking all of that or is she just monitoring Listen, all I can say is the palace was saying she's a beekeeper so that's good enough for me good I mean me. if and you're it- a beekeeper you've got to get up and you've got to put all the get up on haven't you so with the, with the smoke and the netting and all that so She's putting very, in the hard yards to get to get the produce. Oh, very good to thank the bees as well. Clearly, this is another got, got. strand of the Charles and Camilla waggling the leaves. To <laughs> waggling the, the leaves. Good, yeah. luck. good luck, tree. Good luck, bee. Good luck, tree. Good luck, <laughs> thank, bee. Thank you, bee. Um, yes. Oh, honey, lovely. Very good. Uh, so they, it's great. It is great to see them out and about um, doing things, and particularly in the sunshine, obviously. But finally, a challenge for everybody, because this is quite fun. And, you know, logos are a tricky, tricky business. Some people may or may not remember the the initial questions that were raised over the London 2012 logo. And it was obviously initially everybody hated the Olympic logo and thought it looked ridiculous, but every, we all came to love it and had such a joyful Olympics. But anyway, next year's big event is obviously the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And on the Royal Family's social media and various other places, they are inviting budding artists and designers aged 13 to 25 based in the UK to design an emblem for Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee next year. The winning design will appear on official merchandise, big screens and extensively across our social media channels in 2022. The competition is being run by the V&A Museum on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen and the winner will be announced this summer. So Russell, as you're 39 and I'm past 40, we are clearly too old to be doing this. With no discernible talent either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's well, probably the bigger issue. Are you, a, are you going to paint or draw? I mean, no. I mean, my sister's the artist. I mean, I did do art GCSE and got an okay grade, but okay, well, you I was know, more you of a maker to... than a person who did drawing. I think my, my, sister, my sister's too old as well, which is come up with something nice. But hopefully that'll be a lovely thing that some people can do at, um, you know, school, school projects. I was slightly slightly interesting that they are going for that older age group rather than 
opening it up. Well, you know, you know, well, well, however, beginning of secondary school, the the tagline, the tagline was um, to create something for the smartphone generation. Well, I suppose, you know, kids as young as two can operate a smartphone. So um, maybe, maybe they should have opened up. I don't know. Yeah, thirteen to twenty-five. I could have asked uh, Cockney. He's been pretty handy with the old iPad drawing. Controversial, as, as Camilla it. saw when she went to the um, when she went to the exhibition recently. Well, it's going to be. Listen, I, I think they they want to find um, to design this emblem for Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee. They obviously want to to raise the bar than just being a being a doodle. So Hockney may need not apply us opposed to this brutal one. i know brutal brutal oh, russell myers i'm not sure i mean you can't even do colors so i'm not sure we're gonna let you loose on art <laughs> i can't even say in between the lines so i definitely wouldn't be allowed no. um so yeah it's go- it's going to be a contest open to people uh, throughout the uk based in the uk uh, and being organized by the victoria and albert museum and um this is tristan hunt the director of the vna he said this Tristram, is incredible. Tristram, Tristram. Former MP. Oh, sorry. Gosh, I wasn't up on it. The, um, this is an incredible moment to help define the monarchy emblem for the smartphone generation. Because in a way, which is different to the Diamond Jubilee and the Golden and Silver, this icon brand logo emblem, whatever you want to call it, will be a kind of digital product as well. And so I think that's a really exciting design challenge. So... Watch this space. I mean, and what do you design for an emblem? You've got to encompass got to have things. A crown, that, got to have, yeah, crown, um, community. Maybe I'd like to see sort of like a street party. That'd be quite good. Yeah. Are you talking? Are we talking about four crests here? Well, I don't need know. To be like a crest it could with, be anything. For, right. Open up your minds. But I, I guess inevitably I end up thinking about something that can fit into a Twitter or Instagram icon somehow. Um, NHS. I'll put the NHS in there, surely. Something about COVID? Ooh, Might I mean, be a bit... This is a celebration. A... We'll, we'll, we'll all have forgotten COVID by la- next well, year. It'll all be like a bad dream. Let's hope. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but we were, we're very much looking forward to seeing that. I, th- I think it has been striking, actually, just how much more inventive the royals have been getting on social media, particularly the Cambridges accounts. And we saw that, I think, with the launch of um, Kate's Kate's foundation last week, the amount of different ways that they were were projecting it. So that's all very exciting. But still gonna still gonna keep wishing every week that Sophie Wessex, well Edward and Sophie, get on them, get on their own social media. Keep this campaign started last week and we will we will keep requesting. If you're out on a job with Sophie and her people, Russell, do put in a word, will you, that we are we are keen for their it's own. It's an interesting one. because I think it would be really successful um we talked about this last week so anyway we're probably you're... doing enough i mean we just need to as in as in to fill it yeah, yeah very very busy so let's uh let's say i mean i'm, I'm just gonna close so I'm, I'm i'm told just because we've got the things to look forward to yes things to look week, forward to Russell Diana me moving house hopefully not having a breakdown in it uh, i can't promise that at all in the process um Princess Diana statue unveiling next Thursday. Harry imminently coming over to the country. I am told the Duchess of Cambridge is going to be there. Obviously, things could change. Who knows? But the Duchess of Cambridge is going to be at the unveiling. So uh, we've published that today. I think that will act as quite a buffer between the two brothers. That it won't, you know, that it will be not be seen as just 
them two and their two different speeches. But um, I think that, uh, that that will be a good decision to go with um, because obviously there will be a lot of attention on Harry returning to the UK. The two boys, we're told, are going to uh, potentially be making separate speeches about their mother's legacy. No doubt paying tribute to Ian uh, Brank Broadley, who has uh, dedicated quite a lot of time to this statue, along with the brothers who have been designing it since 2017. So, um, yeah, a cause for celebration rather than Absolutely. sort of, you know, the two brothers getting to each other. I mean, they're obviously, they're called a truce between. Well, what what else would they do? They're not going to have a have a bum fight on the uh, on the uh, on the steps of the sunken garden. So hopefully, Quick. it will go without incident, and it will be a beautiful day, and it will be a fitting tribute to their Absolutely. mother's legacy because that's what they all want. Quick question on that from Cheryl Williams, who says, "Love the episode last week. Do you think Prince Charles will be at the unveiling of Princess Diana's statue? Lots of love from Texas." My no, because uh, no, no, and I think he he's in Scotland. I don't, yes, so yes, I think I don't know. I don't think he will be there. I think it's the discretion being the better part of valor and raising que- raising questions. So hopefully that will be a moment of togetherness and remembrance. Obviously, there's lots of coverage of um, Princess Diana um, in in various media over over recent and coming days as it approaches what would have been her 60th birthday and we'll be talking about that more next week i am sure assuming that russell makes it in one piece hopefully with all of his boxes to his new house so good luck russell thank you for joining us today we look forward to catching up next week with a new backdrop very exciting on the Instagram. Follow us at Podsave and on Twitter at Podsave. Russell might be a bit um, quieter or possibly a bit less royal over the next few days. It might be more ranting about moving. Ranting <laughs> <laughs> about? Oh my God. Rather uh, than what only, the royals only. think. Ranting. Only. Ranting. Oh, right. I thought you said prancing. <laughs> you can prance. Maybe I'll do that today to keep my spirits up. You can prance if you want. Anyway, listeners, it's been lovely to have you with us once again. We look forward to catching up with you next week. Um, stay safe, stay well, and until next time. Pod save the Queen! 